This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Go get that first down and get a touchdown. Rock em, suck em. Hello and welcome into the post-Miracle Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar along with Judd Zolgad here at U.S. Bank Stadium as we just watched one of the most incredible moments in National Football League playoff history, Judd. Where do I even start? I mean, at least for one day, for one game and for one day, because there are still more games to go, uh, you purge for a second, 87. You purge for a second, 98. You purge, 2009, 2015. All of those things where the Vikings come back and win on uh, on a miracle pass as time expires to uh, Stefan Diggs from Keenum. And I guess the best way to describe what we saw post game was you saw a lot of grown, burly, big men crying. I mean, they weren't just sort of sniffling. They were basically crying. And when you see that, that's why sports is great. I mean, this game was beyond flawed but unbelievable. And uh, Robison, who was here in 2009, 2015, was crying. Keenum, I guess, post game on the field was near tears. So, Matthew Collar, what we saw today is the reason why we're in this business. It was a very special day, a very special game, and a finish that is going to take me probably a week to uh, to completely comprehend. I, I would describe the locker room as being completely overwhelmed and in a state of pure disbelief. I stood there waiting to talk to Anthony Barr and just overhearing him talking to a couple of the other linebackers and they just kept going over the play and what happened to Marcus Williams? What happened to the safety? They were reenacting it. Why did he lunge at Stefan Diggs's legs and allow Diggs to get behind him when all he had to do was wait for Diggs to catch the ball and tackle him and the game is over, but instead he lunges and Diggs goes for 61 yards for a touchdown. And the interviews were really something amazing that I've never seen. And I mean, all the sports that I've covered, hockey, baseball, football, wild endings that I've seen, shootout goals, last second touchdowns. I have never seen football players have no clue what to say. 
Anthony Barr stood there and tried to hunt for words, and I asked him what happened on a different play, and he said, I, I can't even think right now. Mm-hmm. I can't even come up with anything to describe that play. And the really, miracle is the only way to describe it. And the first words on a lot of everyone's minds uh, that came out of their mouths was, well, finally, this one went our way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's been so long, and Vikings fans have been kicked in the teeth so many times that finally they got their moment here. And, and you have to now feel like, and it, this is not a predicting a win at Philadelphia uh, a week from Sunday in the NFC title game, Matthew, but you have to feel like 13-3 and three season, 14-3 and three now, there's something sort of special here. Like this is not, when you end a game like that, when, when you go up a 17-zip at halftime, and dominate as much as the Vikings did. And then it slowly but surely uh, gets, you know, the league gets smaller and smaller. And you say, okay, this is Drew Brees, and Drew Brees is coming back. And then the Saints do just enough things to, to leave the window of opportunity open for Keenum and the Vikings' offense. And they come back and win like that. You finally start to, start to say to yourself, there's something, there's something to be capitalized on here that goes beyond the norm. I mean, the ending of that game, as you described, what the safety was thinking, I don't know. But it all sort of fits together with what the season has been about, and that is, that is a really good defense and a good football team that's opportunistic, and somehow there's like magic dust or something. Like it, it, go, it goes beyond the explanation of, oh, yeah, that's just the Vikings. When you are down to 10 seconds left and throw up a Hail Mary pass, and, you know, God knows those passes uh, playoff-wise have gone against this team so many times in the past, and it works, you start to say to yourself, there's something sort of weird and special about this year for this football team. And it took all sorts of different things to even get to that moment, Uh, first being the Adam Thielen catch, which would have put them in that spot anyway because of a pass interference, but an incredible catch over Marshawn Lattimore to set up a 53-yard field goal. And if you had told Vikings fans before the game, yeah, uh, a lot of this game for you is going to rest on a 53-yard field goal, I think they would have said, well, okay, well, it's a fun season. We'll see you next year. And Kai Forbath banging that through. And then on a third and one where the Saints had a chance to end this game, they could have handed off, gotten a first down, run the clock out, killed all the Vikings timeouts. Linval Joseph stuffs a play in the middle. I will never in my entire life, Judd, understand why anyone runs at Linval Joseph on third and one, but the Saints did it and they stuffed him. They kicked the field goal with just enough time left. And I, I think a major part of the magic of this team, which we've seen in so many different situations this year. I mean, think about Chicago. Think about how magical that night is. A place in Soldier Field where they had fallen apart so many times. Keenum comes off the bench. McKinnon has a 58-yard touchdown. Harrison Smith with the interception in that game. I think a lot of it is, yes, there's something very special about this team And there's also a lot of really unbelievably talented players all put together on the same roster. This has to be one of the most talented rosters I've ever seen anywhere. If if you're considering both sides of the ball, the two receivers today, unstoppable again, even as good as New Orleans defense is. And then on the defensive side, you have an argument for almost every single player to be in the Pro Bowl. That first half defensively was phenomenal. I mean, Drew Brees looked lost. Drew Brees, a Hall of Fame quarterback who came back in in the second half and played well, 
in that first half looked completely lost. I mean, this, this defense dominated them. And what's interesting about t- uh, today's game was in that second half, there were Vikings moments left and right. I mean, uh, at, at the end, I, I should say, of the first half, Kai Forbath uh, attempts, what, a 52-yard field goal or something like that? 57 or 58. Hold I think it was a, a it was. I've got it right here. It was a 49-yard field goal, oh, it was and it went wide left. Okay, so that's the first one where you're like, that's a tough field goal, but you still missed it. Um, and then in the second half, Ryan Quigley in the punt, right? The partially deflected punt. I mean, that right there is, is oh, my God, this is so Vikings-like. Case Keenum throws a really bad pass. It gets picked. Saints come back and score. And you once again are saying, so Vikings-like. So there were definitely Vikings moments that, that brought back uh, memories of past playoff meltdowns. But what's so impressive is you overcame it. You still won. I mean, this was, this was not a perfect game. Both sides struggled at times. The Saints, I don't get their challenges. I don't get lots of things that, uh, that Sean Payton did and plays he called today. But when you look at the fact that the Vikings certainly had meltdown moments and you were thinking to yourself, okay, that's it, they came back, and that is really impressive. Yeah, he, he made the 49-yarder. I think he missed from 58. Oh, did they goof that up? Yeah, I, I thought it yeah, said 49-yard wide In the fourth left. quarter, he made a, a 49-yarder. Okay. So a great so day, a wrong. great, great day for the Vikings kicker, uh, uh, which, again, is pretty unusual. It was just at the end of the half where they tried to boot one, and uh, he, he didn't get that one. But just kind of working backwards yeah. from the catch, the, t- the score, whatever we're going to nickname this thing, the play – Seven heaven. It's seven heaven. Okay. That's the play. That's the play call. Is seven heaven. Okay, seven heaven. That's that's what it'll go down as. So the previous drive where they go ahead, on the drive where Drew Brees takes them down the field, there was every bit of oh yeah, we're the Minnesota Vikings feeling out on out there and in the stands. The the noise level was not the same after Drew Brees completed a pass on fourth and six. And when we talked about this, it's really funny, Judd, as we led up to this game, I, we did a podcast, Purple Podcast, every day. And on every one of them, we said, the biggest thing that you are concerned about is a bad interception from Case Keenum and Drew Brees with the ball at the end of the game. And here it is all playing out just like we had written it, except for the Stefan Diggs touchdown at the end. That drive by Drew Brees, in a way, I at the end of the game, walking down there, I almost felt bad for Drew Brees because he had just done something legendary out there with some of the passes he made to bring them back in this game. Sure. And he's not going to be moving on in the playoffs. I know that Vikings fans don't care, but to survive that type of performance is extremely unusual for this franchise. Oh, Yeah. I mean, every, every element for the most part of that final quarter today screamed of, of what Vikings fans have nightmares about and dread. I mean, everything of, of you know, I mean, the Ryan Quigley uh, deflected punt, that is so Vikings. In fact, I thought to, uh, to myself, I thought it was going to be Forbath who screwed up. And now you've got a deflected punt, and they've got great field position, and they right, drive right down and score. So, yeah, uh, Breeze and the Saints certainly aren't going to get sympathy from Vikings fans. Um, but, I mean, this, is, this game in and of itself, Collar, is difficult to discuss because I'm still processing it. Like, I'm, there were so many things that we saw and so many areas where you said, oh, boy, that's it. 
they're in big trouble. And then the Saints, as you said before, third and one. You get the first down, guess what? You bleed that last 29 seconds. You kick a field goal. You win if you're the Saints. You go home, and this place is devastated again. And they don't get it. And so there were just so many parts to this game where where you scratch your head and say, if not for this, if not for that. Um, but just the chaotic scene that we saw on the field when Diggs scored and and the a scene of disbelief, that's what makes sports so cool. When you see things that you don't see much, if at all, and the scene of complete disbelief on that field. And, I mean, we're talking about football players who have played in lots of games and have seen a ton of things. And you look down there on that field, and as joyous as it was, you also saw guys saying, what the hell just happened here? Saints and Vikings saying, did we really just see that? And, uh, and you just have to also go back and say, the Keenum magic. I mean, there's something weird there. And, and as I said, it might be for one year. It might be for one season, and that's it. I have no clue. But the amount of, of magic that this guy has bled from a year where, where every time we want to say, okay, this is the real case, right? The interception or the, not, or the not great day at times, not great passes. Okay, this is really case. And then he does that. And that's just been the theme or, to me, the storyline of this year for him is every time you're about to say, Okay, he's back to being case. He does that, and you say, oh, my God, I don't believe it. Well, the thing about this game was that he was very much Case Keenum. I know. He, he was but all. But that play is all. But seven heavens, all that's going to matter. That, right. I mean, he was 100% Case Keenum today. Early in the game, he's playing pretty conservative. He's throwing short passes. They're going underneath routes. They, they get a big play to Jarius Wright, which is just always on the checklist of things that you're going to have. They're pounding the ball, not with a ton of success, but enough to back off New Orleans a, a little bit. And you're thinking that okay, this is this is exactly what they've done to win in a lot of their games, like against Atlanta, where Case Keenum didn't have to do too much against Atlanta to win that game. It was a really good Falcons team, and then he pulls off one of the most ridiculously awful throws that you can ever remember in a playoff game, right? I mean, just what in the world could he possibly be thinking? I've seen Favre, so. Well, but, but, th- but it, was it was Favre, that bad. It was Favrinian in its ill-timing and, and poor decision-making. If, they, if Drew Brees wins that game and the Saints win that game and the Vikings lose and it's over, yes. we are replaying that throw over and over and over and over yes. again as the turning point to where it all fell apart. And honestly, I think you're talking about Case Keenum. No way he's the quarterback going forward because he throws away playoff games, and he did it during the regular season many times. He drove Mike Zimmer up the wall with interceptable throws like that that he got away with sometimes, and sometimes he didn't, like against Washington. And that's why Zimmer doubted him, and that's why we doubted him. And then he does it right there in the playoff game. And when he threw that pick, my thought was, you just opened the door for one of the greatest football players of all time. This is bad. This is very, very bad. Yes, it was. And and now, like you said, that all disappears into thin air because he has two of the greatest wide receivers in the game. And the thing is, Judd, I remember in the offseason when we were talking about Thielen and Diggs, and I was on the air with you guys and said, these are two of the 20 best wide receivers in the NFL, and immediately got a couple tweets like, oh, stop hyping these guys. You're just hyping these guys. I think what you've seen this year is 
they're even better than that. They're two of the top 10 wide receivers in the NFL and two purely special players. And here's Keenum throwing up just prayers and these guys making unbelievable plays. And the question is, and and for the short term, it doesn't matter. But the question is, is this is is the combination of of all these things because Diggs and Thielen are going to remain very good. But is the combination of all these things sustainable? I have no idea. I mean, when you're throwing up passes, you're basically at times throwing up the ball and saying, "Just go get it," and they do go get it. And that's been and and in the fact that the game ended on a play just like that is going to override everything else that transpired today. It's going to override the pick he threw. It's going to override the bad passes he threw. The fact that as he was being sacked at one point, he threw a pass where you're like, oh, my God, don't throw that pass. All of those things are going to be uh, put on the back burner because of the fact that that last play is going to go down as one of the most remarkable plays in Viking history and certainly a playoff play. And because that play in and of itself is the first time in how long where the Vikings have won a miracle playoff game like that. I think, just off the top of my head now, thinking out loud, I think you would have to go back to uh, the miracle at the Meadowlands in 1997, which I think was Denny Green's first playoff win when the Vikings were way down and they just came back and won. So it didn't end on, on one play. But my point being is, my contention is, the New Age Viking fan came aboard the next year with Moss in 98. Those fans, I don't think, have ever seen anything close to this in a playoff game. And those fans have been conditioned for heartbreak. And those fans right now, in their drunken stupor, God bless them, don't care that Keenum threw a bad pick. They don't care that he threw uh, some passes where we could certainly go back and say, that's not smart. All they care about is that Diggs caught that ball. And as you said, too, and you're right, the Saints safety, for whatever reason, and God knows why, decided to sell out on that play, and it ends in a touchdown. I will never, never, ever, ever understand what he was thinking. Make no mistake, the Saints played an awful game. Oh, like, I, like I'm not, I don't, I understand if you're a Vikings fan, you don't want me to sit here and, and rain on your parade, so I won't too much. The Saints played a terrible game. Sean Payton coaching at a terrible day. The Saints played a dumb game. They played a terrible game. Um, I don't blame Breeze, but the first half was terrible uh, for the Saints' offense, and that's a credit to the Vikings' defense, certainly. But there were a lot of things, as we sat uh, in the press box today and watched this game, where when the Saints did things, we're like, what was that? So the Saints opened the door for the Vikings to win, but to the Vikings' credit, they walked through it and won. Well, I mean, at one point, they decided to have a wide receiver throw a pass on third Yeah. Uh, a Sean wide Payton, receiver. Sean Payton had a, if I'm a Saints fan right now, at least right this second, I want Sean Payton fired. I'm so upset. And, and or I, I would have been so upset. And I think that Sean Payton gave away a Super Bowl like right today. I mean, in a lot of different ways, Marcus Williams gave away a Super Bowl on one play. I think they're going for sure. And I think they have a great chance to win because they have a stronger team than the Patriots who I think will end up in the Super Bowl. And they've Bowl. got a quarterback who, when given the ability to to operate efficiently, but you're right, third and one, third and one, you bleeping throw a lateral to a receiver who, Sneed, right? Yeah. Willie Sneed the fourth, if I'm not mistaken, who then tries to hit Alvin Kamara on a pass when your quarterback is Drew Brees, and it's third and one. That makes no sense, but well, I digress. Playoff football, and uh, it's – 
I thought it was just a you know bowl game football where we saw incredible mistakes by coaches. But today there were so many, and uh, we did hear that after the game. Um, Sean Payton had said there were some issues with their monitor on the replays, but his challenges were just absurd. I mean, they, they weren't even close. No. Like with Case Keenum's knee being down, it was not down. It wasn't even close to down. And, and Jarius Wright obviously had the catch. So, Which, by the even, way, happened right in front of Sean Payton. Right. Like yeah. that catch, he had, he had arguably the best view in the stadium of that catch. Yeah, and yet he still tried to challenge it, which yep. cost them their timeouts. But then the worst third down play of all for the Saints – running it right into Linval Joseph on third and one that would have essentially ended the game. And that, that one should stick with saints fans forever too, that you decided all you need is one yard and you've basically got this thing one because you're going to get a first down. Then you're going to run out the Vikings timeouts, run the clock down, kick the field goal. And that's going to be it. Instead, you run right at the best player at his position in the entire NFL. And I know they've got a lot of great players, but that's not the guy I'd be running it at. Just, just to set up your kicker in the center? I mean, these kickers kick from the right and left hash all the time. It's not like it's some big issue. Right. What, what a foolish play call there, and the wide receiver throw uh, is completely baffling. Something you brought up a, a few minutes ago with whether it's sustainable. Is it sustainable for 2018, 19, 20? I wouldn't guess that it would be. Mm -hmm. Is it sustainable for next week and then two weeks or three weeks from now? Definitely. It most certainly is. Yeah, it most certainly is. And it was my thought going into this game that if you can somehow get by Drew Brees mm -hmm. with Case Keenum and this defense and the rest of these offensive weapons, you are in the Super Bowl. Now, going to Philadelphia, though, the Eagles don't look like any sort of joke, and that field is a disaster. That would be a major concern of mine, that that field is a mess. But now you go in feeling like, okay, Philadelphia's got a good team, and they're kind of in a little bit of the same situation with their quarterback, with their backup, but this backup in Keenum is quite a bit better than Nick Foles, mm -hmm. and this defense, I think, is better than the Eagles' defense. The weapons are better than the Eagles' weapons. I mean, I don't see that much of an advantage. Even though Philly is a very, very good team, I don't see much of an advantage that the Eagles have in any area outside of being able to play on their field. My only point about um, facing potentially, which they won't know, the Falcons here is, I said this, you don't want to leave home here because this place is so loud and your fan base helps you so much. And offenses, offenses actually get flustered. And, and I mean... I don't know if Breeze was flustered, but, but that first half, he had trouble operating. And so my point was, no matter who you play here, if you can stay here for the, uh, for the uh, conference championship game, I would want to. But, yeah, I mean, you go to Philly now. Team-wise, I think you match up pretty well. I mean, your defense is great. Uh, I saw the advanced forecast for a week from Sunday in Philadelphia, I want to say, is around 50 degrees right now, which is pretty good. You bring up a good point. The field's not in great shape, torn up. Uh, the fans there are loud and raucous and going to be against you. But I, I don't know, Collar. It's just some, some years things just continue to, to go right. You know, I guess the only question would be at some point in time, does Keenum make enough mistakes where it costs you? But every time I think that's going to happen, he makes some but not a ton. And, and to your point, too, Diggs and Thielen bail him out consistently. Um, and so... 
If I was a betting man, I certainly wouldn't bet against the Vikings at this point, given the fact that this team is good enough and we continue to see enough on a weekly basis where some years things go great, some years, like last year, they don't. But this just seems to be one of those years where, where if there's a horseshoe in place or a rabbit's foot, this is it. Mike Zimmer said he had the crystal ball. And uh, I guess he looked into his crystal ball and saw really good things for this team. He was confident all week, and uh, I don't think it was because of the sorcery, but just because of the talent he has on this team. And, and I think in Mike Zimmer's nightmares, when he woke up at 2 in the morning in a cold sweat, he saw that Case Keenum interception. Oh, that's what I saw last week. No question. Yeah. He's going to have the same thing all this week. And there's no way to ask Case Keenum not to do that. And I, I think we go into it again feeling the same way that that's the way you could potentially lose a game. Another part of me feels like that, that was the one. That was the one he threw. That bad interception, that costly interception, and he's not going to do that again unless they put him in, in the situation to have to go win a game again or something like that where he's yeah. going for a miracle and instead of the miracle he gets something else. But but I do feel like after he's made that mistake that he won't do it again the he, next time. Here's the difference about now you are going into a hostile environment, which makes it tough. Here's the difference with that I would say about the Philadelphia game from the Saints game, though. The Keenum turnover factor and screwing up scared me for the Saints game because to, to your point about, about Zim's nightmares – you wake up in a cold sweat and think, oh, my God, Drew Brees is going to have the football. And now we just gave the football to, to Drew Brees. And it happened today, and Brees took him right down the field. When the dream is, oh, my God, Case Keenum just threw a terrible pick, let's say, and Nick Foles has the football, I say, you know what? Bleep it. My defense can stop him. So, so my fear about a Keenum mishap, unless it's at an, just an awful time, is a little bit less. Because now you're going to be in a situation where you're not necessarily going to put the uh, the football in the hands of a Pro Bowl Hall of Fame quarterback. The breeze factor scared me so much. And for one half, it was real. For one half, it wasn't. But for one half, the breeze, the breeze factor uh, came into play. And uh, once again, they survived it. <laughs> I mean, it's just incredible. They survived. How about the fact that the last 10 Super Bowls, I went over them. I've mentioned it a, a number of times. They've all had elite quarterbacks in the Super Bowl on both sides, AFC, NFC. Now there's a chance that it could be Blake Bortles against Case Keenum or Blake Bortles against Nick Foles. I mean, I, I think what it tells us, Judd, is maybe in, in a part that the league is coming a little bit back toward your team mattering more. As some of the great quarterbacks get older, uh, Breeze being one of them, but Manning's out of the league now. Uh, Aaron Rodgers also being hurt was a huge factor. Mm -hmm. I think Andrew Luck being hurt was a huge factor too because they would have had a, a potentially a chance with Andrew Luck to go deep. Uh, but maybe we are getting to a point in the league where the defenses are starting to catch up, or maybe we're just in random sports, and this is how life goes sometimes, I, right? I think what we're beginning to see a little bit, too, is uh, is teams that decided they couldn't solve the, the quarterback conundrum and said, okay, if we can't do that, what's our next step? And I think the logical move is let's build a defense that can stop top quarterbacks. And the Jaguars and Vikings have done that. 
And and can they do it on a weekly basis? No. But if you look at those two defenses, they actually give you a chance um, to to at least contain and or slow good QBs on a consistent basis. So I do think that that's the that's the lesson to be learned as teams say, you know, there's let's say five elite quarterbacks who are just fantastic, and after that there's good ones. And then if you're a team like the Vikings or or Jaguars, you've been trying to find one and have not been successful. So these teams, I think, turn to the philosophy of all right, let's get a defense that can at least stop those guys, and and let's try and get an offense that can operate and be and be efficient. But it's certainly not not going to be great. The Vikings in that uh, instance have definitely topped Jacksonville so far. But I think that's the thought process. You know what this kind of reminds me the most of, this team, is the Flacco Ravens that won. That, you know, Flacco, they started arguing that he was an elite quarterback. He was good. for a a great playoff run. Yeah. Yep. But he had this unbelievable playoff run like no one had ever had before. And for the most part, if you look at his career numbers, he's never an, an elite quarterback. He's always, you know, pretty good, but never great. And that Baltimore Ravens team is one of the best top-to-bottom teams you will ever find. Offense, they were good on defense, but so much offensive talent. They had Anquan Bolden that year. They put everything around Flacco. And then there was a little magic. Do you remember the Flacco launch against Denver, I think it was, where he just lets it go and the guy – Saturday night game, yeah. Yeah, the guy underplays it and he catches it, goes for a touchdown, and then Baltimore takes it. it, it, Right. Because it was just a total screw-up. It reminds, the me, it reminds me so much of that play and, and that game. Uh-huh. And even Flacco, though you don't think of him as being the rocket arm guy, but even Flacco kind of reminds you of the Keenum-level quarterback that maybe you didn't trust or maybe in his past he wasn't as good and then he came up at the right time. So it is possible, and it does happen every so often, and it just seems this year – Every star has aligned for this team, including Aaron Rodgers going down. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about if you go back to the very beginning of the season, we thought how we thought it was going to play out was Aaron Rodgers going to have a chance to be in the Super Bowl because mm-hmm. the Packers have loaded up a little bit more, not as much as they should have. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll probably see Dallas in the playoffs because they have this great offensive line and Dak Prescott's going to take the next step. And those two things not happening, I think, also play a role here because you don't have to deal with the best quarterback in the game, so he's out. And then you, you don't have to deal with the Cowboys, who I think if they stay completely healthy mm-hmm. would have had an incredible – and had Ezekiel Elliott for the whole year. They would have had an incredibly dangerous offense, but they lost their left tackle and they lost Elliott, and all of a sudden they weren't uh, as good as they as they once were. So things have all just kind of come together for these two quarterbacks to sit here and have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. This goes uh, to, to my to my thought process that I've I've always thought it's funny when when people say uh, that there's a window of an opportunities for teams in this league, and yes, there are, but they're very much year to year to year because they depend on variables such as do guys get hurt, do you have fortune, do you have have you know in in the Vikings case the Packers Hall of Fame QB goes out do those things come together the to have success in this league unless you're the Patriots stars have to align too so you can put together a good team but do you have health um and and that's what I'm saying is there have been enough things that have happened to this Vikings team including your starting quarterback going out after week one and being replaced by a career backup who's had a career year where you say okay 
This is a window of opportunity. And you can't guarantee me that that comes back in 18. You can't guarantee me. Now, now does this defense give you a chance for it? Yes, absolutely. But you also can't guarantee me the health of that defense in 2018 and 19. So all of those things, I think windows of opportunity in this league are very much a year-to-year proposition. And the Vikings have a huge one right now. And part of that, like it or not, is definitely good fortune is on their side. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's simple, really. And, 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 and that same thing turned on them in 2016. Yeah. They had no luck whatsoever. And they had a team that was good enough to go to the Super Bowl in 2016. Even with some of the issues on the offensive line, their defense was the same. And I, I think that they would have been in the playoffs if Harrison Smith didn't get hurt toward the end of the year. And that slowed them down. Or if you think about it, the magic factor, they threw away a couple of games at the end. They didn't come through in some big situations at the end that they have come through this year and, and what that means toward the future a, a little bit. It's like, okay, I, I think we can be done with that conversation for right now. I mean, because every time, you know, you know how this goes that when uh, your team is in the playoffs, radio stations around the country need guests. So they call you and, and ask you to talk about the team. Sure. Almost every interview that I did, they would ask, is Keenum going to be the quarterback of the future? And it's like, I, I have no idea. I mean, I've been worrying about the, Saints seam routes all week. You know, I mean, it's as have the Vikings, too. Right. By by the way, at this point, it is not even any part of the conversation. It's Case Keenum is your quarterback. You're going to live and die with him. And I mean, even I thought it was kind of funny, the, the backup quarterback conversation like, man, at this point. Who cares if it's Teddy or Sam, right? Like, uh, why are we even breaking down this decision? And it it means absolutely zero about 2018. Yeah. I mean, Sam Bradford, because because Bradford uh, backed up Keenum today and and Teddy was not active for the game, means absolutely nothing. It doesn't mean anything about, oh, now they're going to sign Sam. The Vikings, for anybody who thinks that the Vikings are internally right now sweating the QB, I don't think they have time to. I think they will eventually. I think that they've got uh, people who are probably – marinating on the subject and thinking about it but do i think at winter park right now that there's actually in-depth conversations about who's going to be our quarterback this once again comes back to the 2016 vikings in so many ways learned so many important things and one of those is worry about time and place right now Mm -hmm. don't worry don't worry about five years out three years out can you give that stuff thought absolutely but if you get too caught up in, in that, a 5-0 and o team can be 5-8 and eight really, really quick. And, and I, give, I give this team credit, Collar. I sense at least, and I'm certainly not around them as much as you are, I sense that this team from the coaching staff and players is very good about staying present. Like, I don't sense any real concern about future things. I don't sense – I think this team is very good about being present, and I think it's a collection of pretty good guys and pretty smart people – and and I just I'm always going to go back to I think they were smart enough to learn from their mistakes a year ago, and that also probably gets some credit for, for the fact that they have made uh, some of their luck this season. Well, I completely agree with that. The character and makeup of this team I, I've written about it a ton about how you know sometimes you hear culture so often that you just roll your eyes and it's painful to hear teams talk about culture. But the culture that they've created is basically the people that they've put here, Mm -hmm. the the players that they've drafted, the players that they've moved on from. We talked quite a bit about that. And, you know, the players that they brought in here, there were some guys like Mike Remmers is not going to get talked about a whole lot in this game. He played left guard. He's never played left guard. 
at least this season or last nope. season when he was in Carolina, never he never in his entire career never played he had left never guard. Never started a game at left guard in his entire career until a playoff game today. You think about that, a guy who's never played left guard. You think about Rashad Hill, who last year was on the practice squad in Jacksonville. Last year, when Jacksonville was terrible, he wasn't even on the roster. Now he's starting at right tackle yep. in a playoff game. You, you think about Joe Berger and his age, and Pat Elfline is a rookie in this situation. And yet all of these guys, the, the the common thread with them is that they're extremely professional, very intelligent players who can adapt on the fly because of those things. And, and that goes for every position on the defense as well, that even someone like Anthony Harris, who was very bad last year, could step into a spot when you lose Andrew Sandejo and play and you don't feel like it's going to be a complete disaster. True. Though Breeze did take advantage of him a couple of times in this game, and I think that's a concern going into next week if, if he's got to play. But, but even the, the point just being that that's the type of player that the front office and Mike Zimmer wanted, that's the type of player that they've kept, and I think it's, it's a major part of why they stand here right now. So, all right. That's a lot. There was a lot, a lot to digest. Yeah, that's a lot. There is this... a lot to and and a finish that as a Vikings as someone who's followed this team since 1978, the only other finish that comes to mind this favorable for the Vikings like this would be uh, 1980 against Cleveland at Met Stadium, uh, Kramer to Rashad Hail Mary pass uh, as time expired for a, a regular season win though that gave the Vikings that you're a playoff berth, but that's the only other time I can I can recall um, off the top of my head in the time that I've watched this team, a game finish like this. And so so the fact that this came in a playoff game takes it up a notch, and uh, certainly Vikings fans are not used to them to seeing their team win games like this in the playoffs. They are used to losing them, unfortunately. I would like to say this as well. So we got some tweets saying, hey, you picked the Saints. Vikings won, huh? This is, this, is, this is recorded somewhere in Toronto. Toronto Radio brought me on this morning. Talk Maple Leafs? To not, no, no, to talk the American football. Okay. And before they signed off, after talking about all the key factors, they said, all right, who do you got in this game? And I said, you know what? All week on our podcast and every other radio spot, I've said the Saints. I've said the Saints in a close game. But I woke up this morning, and I, I had a feeling the Vikings, and that's who I'm going to pick. That that's recorded somewhere. There is proof of that. That I changed. It's Toronto, though. I it's changed. a different country. It doesn't count necessarily. No, it just counts. Did, in did the, you say this on, on our soil somewhere? I was on our soil, and it counts like in the metric system. So it's a little changed, but yeah, it's a centimeter no, thing. So I, what I'm saying is, for for the Vikings fans who believed me to be a hater, I woke up this morning and said the Vikings are going to win this game on a radio station. So you don't have to call me a hater. I also wrote 4,000 words on our website about Case Keenum and how everybody missed on him. Well, so you don't have to call me a hater on that. And let's keep in either. mind, the Vikings came very close to blowing th this game. I mean, this entire podcast and conversation, uh, if, if the Saints get that first down, is entirely different. We are spending the whole time talking about that one throw, I think. Because you knew Drew Brees would do that. You oh, he knew was, he was going to start picking them apart. Yeah, he's he is marvelous. He is, but uh, but this was the Vikings' day. So if you're a Vikings fan, congratulations. You know, it's funny too that the guy who ends up completely botching the game ends up with that pick, Marcus Williams, and it was a good play on the pick. Yeah. Well, what what he was doing, I I don't know. I have no clue. I I will never understand. I mean, throwing yourself at. Diggs instead of I mean once you knew that Diggs was going to catch that ball keep him in bounds hold him up that's all you had to do but anyway you know what 
The Vikings are going to play Philadelphia for the NFC title, have a very good chance to be back here on February 4th to host the Super Bowl for the first time, a, a team playing in its home stadium. So that's the good news, and Vikings fans should at least finally feel like, uh, like if there was a curse, it's going away. And Oh, you know what? You know what? This might be Matthew Collar. I thought of this. Could this be Yankees-Red Sox? Red Sox down 3-0, Saturday night game, because I recall I think the Vikings were in Detroit or the Packers were. I, I was covering a team at that time, and I was in Detroit uh, when that game was on TV. And do you remember Dave Roberts deal second base? I certainly do, and yeah. And the Red Sox rally to win that game, and they come back from three zip, right, in that series? Could what we saw today be the Vi- be the equivalent for the Vikings to, to what the Red Sox did? Because from that Game on, it seemed to exercise the demons that so many Sox fans had become used to. It could be. You know, there's another moment in that series, too, and I would have to get the details from a bigger baseball fan, where I believe it's Tony Clark hits a ground rule double with somebody on first, and had it not bounced over the wall to be a ground rule double, that person on first very likely scores, Uh and that's it. But instead, he's stuck at third. And there was a lot of that today for the Vikings, too. There was a lot of what if Anthony Barr doesn't pick off a pass where Everson Griffin just throws his hands in the air. Everson Griffin might he might have been throwing his hand in the air to try and get a call for holding. And it turns into an interception. And at that point, I turned to you as they were moving the ball and said, here comes Breeze. Like he, it just looked like he was turning up the heat, and then just a lucky tip in the in the air, and that's what every team needs to win any sort of championship is a couple of breaks. And now the Vikings are in, I think, the driver's seat to end up in the Super Bowl, and then who knows from there. But there's a very good chance that they are on a collision course with the New England Patriots to be here, and it's almost like this whole time we've been talking about it. I haven't gotten my head around the idea of actually being in this building for the actual real Super Bowl with this team. That in and of itself is a lot to to digest. I'm still having problems comprehending what we saw in this game (laughs) today. Agreed. I'm dead serious. There were so many moving parts. Uh, It was, don't be confused, it was not a great football game as far as how it was played. It was a great football game as far as the moments where you said, oh, my God, I can't believe that. So it was fun. It really was. And uh, we will have a new Purple Podcast every single day this week as well, so long as the Minnesota Vikings are in the playoffs. Get some different uh, interviews for you, dig some people up, and break down every position again. Dig them up, they're going to be dead? No, like digs them up, like Stephon Oh, I got you. Seven heaven, baby. I'm out of here. Seven heaven. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for listening. The Purple Podcast.